Warning! This podcast is different from other podcasts. These episodes contain dangerous choices, perilous tangents, and unwavering silliness. The choices made on this podcast may lead to success or disaster. But remember, you are responsible because you choose to listen. Good luck. Your Own Adventure, a podcast where three grown men try and beat a children's game. I'm Ian. I'm Chris. And I'm Mark. And today we are reading uh, Choose Your Own Adventure number 23, maybe, it's a reprint, Silver Wings, by the original uh, Robert Anton Montgomery. So, the gist of this beware warning page, it's different from other books, you're alone, you're in charge, there's you're not dangers. Alone. Mark, you're not alone! You and you alone are in charge. I'm reading it verbatim now. All right, thank it's you. It's got Mark. you alone in caps. Mark, Mark, I love you. I love you, Mark. <laughs> All right, and I, I just wanted you. I just wanted you to know that I love you. You love me, and you're sorry. Thank you. And I'm sorry. I love that you. Mean, and I'm that sorry. means a lot to me. Thank you. I, I love you, Mark. Listen, Ian. I got to tell you something. Yeah. There are dangers, choices, adventures, and consequences, and you, <gasps> you must use all your numerous talents. Your talented guy, and mm. much of your Let's just say it. Enormous intelligence. I'm pretty smart. The wrong, the wrong decision could end in despair, even death. But what? I misread that. Anyways, but don't disaster. But don't disaster. At any time, can go you back and another choice make. Here's what you gotta know. Your love of flying has taken you up in a motor glider more than once. But you're by no means a pro. In your first trans-country flight, you and your co-pilot, Isabel, are horrified to see your friend's plane crash over the Baja Peninsula. Oh, no. You're going to meet some strange characters out here in the desert, so you and Isabel had better stick together. It's going to take a lot of strength and good decisions from you both. Oh, and there she is, our little doll, Isabel. Hey, Isabel. Isabel. What's our relate? Oh, she's just our co-pilot. Uh, yeah. She's not our friend. Well, we'll see how that unfolds. Yeah. I think a friendship or something more could be in the works here. Yeah, so we see our friend's plane crash. So I think we are mutual friends with the person in the crashed plane. Oh, so... It's well, one of those awkward situations. Us and Isabel have common friends, but we're not friends yet? Yeah. Or maybe ever. I'll bet we're going to become friends. They put us in this plane probably trying to set us up. Like, oh, man. It, oh, narrator man. and Isabel, they could really hit it off together. If oh, yeah, they're both single? They yeah. Both, they, love, they love motor gliders. They've been up in they're, them more than once. They're cute in their own way. I think they'd make adorable kids. Mm. All right. Are we diving into this thing? Let's fucking, let's do this. All right. So disclaimer up front, there is a lot of expository text before we get to make a decision. So, so that. Here we go. Mark, whisk us what? away. Mark, and so, just whisk us away with the power of your voice. Whisk us. That was a really good sound effect. Watch out! You yell, throwing yourself to the ground, <laughs> just as a glider swoops down on the landing field, dangerously close to you. Is that guy crazy or something? You say, picking yourself up from the dry, <laughs> sandy soil. At the far end of the field, the glider finally jounces to a rough landing. Jounces? Jounces. That's, that's what I said. It rumbles awkwardly off the strip and onto the shrubbed terrain along the side of the runway. Lucky, I'd say, Isabel Mossberg comments from the operations shack. <laughs> where your group, the Arbor Field Soaring Club, keeps its office. Pro <laughs> of the shotgun Mossbergs, presumably? Right. Probably. That's where all our money comes from. 
probably a crosswind problem. Look at the windsock. It's blowing across the runway. Your eyes follow her pointing hand, where the wind is coming at an obvious 45-degree angle to the field. Duh, you guys, 45 degrees. Still, that pilot should have been prepared, you say. But you quickly realize that it could have been you in that tough situation up there. A chill runs down your spine. You shrug it off, now feeling a little more compassion for the pilot. Landing into the wind is a piece of cake, you think. Crosswind landings are tough ones. Chris, are you taking notes? That seems like a very pointed statement. We're going to need to, uh, there's going to be a decision where it's like, do you want to try to land through the crosswind or do you want to land uh, into the wind? Like we're going to want to land into the wind. I feel yeah. like I have consistently been the voice of fuck nerds. Just do what feels rad at the moment. So no, I have not been taking notes. Yeah, all right, I'll take notes. I'm, I'm going to start scrawling some notes. Isabel is one of your three closest friends. Oh, God, foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the Arborfield Soaring Club, along with Josh Buckram and Peter Mosler. R.I.P. Not yet. Rip in peace, guys. <laughs> the four of you have been friends for a few years. Uh, hey, you guys, let's get with it. Time for our pre-flight planning session. We're leaving soon. Josh has just come out of the operations shack, a sheaf of papers in his hands. Where's Peter? <laughs> Isabel asks. Right here, says Peter, stepping out into the bright California sunshine after Josh. Of course it's California. He is your history teacher at Marlowe High, and he is also your flight instructor. The three of you learned to fly with him last summer. Your shared love of flying created a strong bond between the four of you. Mm. How did he pick which of the high schoolers got to fly planes yeah. and which just get to grow up in uh, California? Right? I only, got, I only got seats to give three of you the power of, of godly travel. It's the pretty ones. You know it was the pretty ones. Uh, it's got to be the pretty oh, ones. Oh, gross, but true. Yeah. We can pre-flight later, Peter says. Let's look at those maps first. The four of you move to a picnic table out of the wind. It's still strong enough that you have to use small rocks as weights to hold down the maps and other papers. Wait, the, hang on, picnic table is strong enough? Uh, yeah, but we have to support the picnic table with small rocks. Because it blows away in that strong wind. Yeah. Got it. Here's our route to the Baja Peninsula. It's over some pretty rough terrain, Josh says, spreading out a map of the region. Uh, this is serious flying. The Baja Peninsula is very remote. It's bone dry. You make a forced landing there without (laughs) water on board, and you won't last a day, Peter warns. You're making me thirsty already, Isabel replies. No, 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 no. Cancel this trip. (laughs) She unbuttons the top button of her blouse. I don't want, I don't want Isabel going in the same plane as this fucking pervert. Josh, uh, sorry, Mr. Peter, are you, uh, are you just wearing a leather flying jacket and no shirt? Call me, call me Pete, and here's my dick. (laughs) Mr. Peter's my dad's name. He had a huge dick also. Yeah, check out our dicks. Peter is my dick's name. (laughs) (laughs) If I ever crash land, it's gonna be on a beach, Josh offers. Peter laughs good-naturedly. Well, no one's going to have to make a forced landing. Oh, God. Let's get back to the maps. We'll take off at 0900 hours and head due south, a compass heading of 180 degrees. It's getting so hot. Once we reach an (laughs) altitude of 4,500 feet, we'll cut the power and let the winds take us, okay? Sounds good to me, you reply, looking at the maps. What if we actually do have to go down? Isabel, using your voice, asks with real concern. (laughs) You always look at the dark side, Josh says softly. You always look at the dark side. Busying himself with the weather maps. Hey, it's great to be prepared. That's what I taught you, Peter adds. Peter adds, pointing to a stack of condoms he has in his book bag. <laughs> Fucking Peter. Gross. Uh, I just keep the- my Connie's in the back of my wallet. Connie's? <laughs> Mr. Peter's so cool. 
It's the same number of syllables, but it just sounds fun. <laughs> He's got fun nicknames for everything. <laughs> Today, the four of you are taking a long-distance flight in your soaring club's two new motor gliders. These are special gliders equipped with very light engines mounted in the front of the fuselage and two seats, one behind the other. This is the longest flight you, Isabel, and Josh have ever taken. You know, even though Peter is advertising it as fun, it is a test to see if you really have the right stuff to be a top qualified pilot. Wink. The pressure is on. <laughs> you're so glad you're not flying with Peter. You're not ready for this <laughs> test yet. <laughs> You'll be piloting one of the Silverbirds. Wait a second. It's are they called Silverbirds or is, are they just not sure what a motor glider is? Uh, well, they're not. It's not capitalized like a proper noun. So I think it okay. just is a generic Gotcha. Maybe we just don't know what a plane is. Yeah, we're like... That's <laughs> why we keep saying motor glider. <laughs> a, a wing, a wing, a wing propeller, a flying An wing. An air motor velocipede. <laughs> a transportation bird automaton. It's like if you had a bobsled, but instead of skis, you had <laughs> wheels and then you put wings on it. And also a motor in the front attached to a propeller. It's spring vacation in Southern California. SoCal, as Peter calls it. Of course, fucking <laughs> Peter. The day is clear, hot, and dry. The wind is fresh out of the northwest. <laughs> they just had, it's got no more northwest left to go around. Mm -hmm. there it uh, is. But there's a hint of coming storm. Oh, you can feel it in your bones. Um, <laughs> Wouldn't that be terrifying if you really could feel stuff in your bones? I mean, people can, right? I can't. I don't know. I've like, you just feel stuff and you can't help but feel it because it's in your bones. I think people feel like storms coming because of like barometric pressure or something. And that's, you know, it feels like it's in their bones or whatever. Oh, I bet if you shook a baby real hard, the baby would feel it in his bones. I thought babies were all cartilage until, like, they were toddlers. Good the point. They feel it in their cartilage, I guess. The thing is, if you shake them hard enough, you won't really be able to ask them later whether they were able to feel it, so... Oh, yeah, they get scrambled brains. Yeah, don't shake babies. If you take one thing away from this podcast... Don't, not even once, for fun. And follow up, do not keep your condoms in your wallet. It'll just get holes in it. Yeah. Don't keep your condies in your wah-wah. Yeah. <laughs> Keep them in your people. Strangely enough, right? a Wawa is a great place to meet friends and buy condoms. Aren't we leaving kind of late, Pete? You ask. Usually, you leave much earlier in the morning. We've got plenty of time. I got permission to land at an old emergency strip just the other side of the Mexico-California border. We're going to set up camp there. It'll be a three-day trip, my friends. I checked it out with your parents. I thought I'd. Surprise you. Nope, 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 nope. Hey, Mr. Nope. and Mrs. Mossberg, it's me, Pete. Uh, excuse me, are you wearing a shirt underneath that lab coat? <laughs> Incorrect. Hey, is it cool if I borrow your daughter for three days? Yeah. Hi, it's California FBI. Uh, sorry your kids went missing. Apparently this history teacher got them. I'm oh, just yeah, gonna that's take the your, going on the trip. I'm just going to take your 16-year-old daughter on a small, fun trip to Mexico. Uh, it'll only be a don't, few days. Don't tell her. It'll yeah. be a surprise. Hey, fun fact, the uh, age of consent in Mexico is only 14. <laughs> hey, on an unrelated note, you got any condies? <laughs> condies? Because my, my Mo Glow is straight out of condies, and we're going to have a real long rager <laughs> up in the air, if you know what I mean, in my Mo Glow. Sir, my, please don't. I, I, I don't want my daughter going with you. I don't. Why do you keep? Why would you tell me all this? Well, I, I guess I asked you uh, better to beg, per, beg forgiveness than ask permission. She's uh, been living with me for a month. Yes. Hey, is your other daughter home? <laughs> Isabel? You mean it? Man, we could spend the night? Cool. Josh exclaims. What are we going to do about food? You ask. You have a few provisions packed, but not enough for three days. Peter you know, it's smiles. rare I would say that, like, I, I, I really identify with one of our main characters, but, like, this dude gets it. 
He speaks the truth. He needs snacks. Yeah. He needs snacks and he needs snacks now. He needs to know where snacks will be in the future. Are we talking peanuts? Are we talking Capri Suns? Are we talking oranges? What's, yeah, what's the deal? Is it a savory snack? Is it a chewy snack? Is it a sweet snack? Is it, does it, is it perishable? Am I going to have to keep this snack precious if we go down? Tell you what, boys, you guys uh, go on the other plane. It's got a lot of food, and uh, me and Isabel kind of like follow up behind. We got a whole tube of Pring Prangs, which is what I call <laughs> Pringles, because <laughs> I'm a fucking idiot. And uh, I got a whole a whole bucket of Sleegees. That's Slim Jims. <laughs> Sleegees is the worst Sleegis. thing I've heard all day. <laughs> Ugh, I gotta throw this condi away. It's full of Sleegees. <laughs> just, f- just flicking it off their hands like, oh, who got Sleegees? I, I fell asleep for five minutes. You guys put Sleegees in my hair? Peter smiles. You know that smile. It's his teacher's smile. A sneaky smile that, he, that says he has all the answers, and he usually does. We catch our own, he tells you. Catch our own what? Isabel asks suspiciously. It's one thing to order a hamburger. It's another to kill it. Yeah, Josh adds. Some fun trip you planned for us, Peter. Hold on, guys. You aren't giving me a chance. I arranged for a friend to drop off some fishing gear at the airstrip. And just in case we don't catch any fish, I ask him to leave a cache of food for us. The, t- the caretaker there is Senor Gonzalez. He'll or take care speedy, of everything for us. speedy, as I call us. him for short. City <laughs> yeah. C- Gonsgo. He'll take care of everything for us. This is going to be lots of fun. You'll like it. Trust me. Ugh. He uh, said that so many times. Uh, 45 minutes later, after giving the aircraft a good pre-flight check, storing the emergency water rations, and checking the weather and the flight condition, like control center in Los Angeles, you and Isabel climb into your silver-winged, red-bodied Arcus-12 motor glider. Moglo! You taxi out onto the strip. You feel a thrill. The Arcus-12 is your favorite make of motor glider. This, it's like they didn't have the word airplane. Is it like a distinct thing? Is it wrong to say it's yeah, an airplane? No, I, I think it's trademarked, and they just didn't have the sort of pull you know, to use that word. Yeah, you think, I, I you bet think it's one of these fucking like 1970s yeah. children's toys that now we're just like, oh, you probably shouldn't give your kid just an airplane. Oh, yeah. But, they, uh, they built these motor gliders. They put them together with their own yeah. small hands. They got a kit out of the back of boy's life. Yeah. <laughs> they, they took apart somebody's dad's uh, lawnmower. The sun glints on the black ID code on your silver wing. DT two three one one four. Are we supposed to Hang on, stop. write that I gotta, down? Yeah, I got. I got to put that on my notes. Yeah, you're taking notes. All right. Yeah, we're good. The Limbach engine is a, is ticking over nicely. The oil and manifold pressure, temperature, and fuel tanks all read a okay. You waggle the stick to check the ailerons and the elevator and kick the rudder pedals to be sure the control surfaces are functioning. What a techno babble. I'm writing it all down. It's you are the pilot in command. Isabel sits behind you. She is the navigator. The two of you are connected by radio. And, and love. heart strings. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Let's go down the checklist one more time, you say over the intercom. <laughs> right, Isabel answers, and the two of you carefully note everything on the list, knowing that there is no room for error in flying. Right next to you is the other Arcus with Peter and Josh aboard. Josh is the pilot in command. Let's go, Peter says over the radio. Roger, you reply. <laughs> My name's Peter. <laughs> well, joke never gets old. Uh, the sleek aircraft hesitates for a minute as the RPMs build. You release the brakes, the plane shudders momentarily, sexily, rolls mm-hmm. down the dirt strip, and lifts off into the slight morning haze with ease. Gaining altitude in large circles, you sweep through the sky. There's nothing around you except for the other Arcos with Josh and Peter. Arcus with Josh and Peter. The altimeter on the instrument panel climbs slowly but steadily until you reach 4,500 feet. Glancing at the instrument panel, you notice the presence of thermals, masses of upward-moving warm air. These thermals are what your motor glider will ride once the engine is cut. With them, you can stay airborne. Without them, your aircraft will slowly lose altitude and have to go to land. Okay, true or false, uh, they talk a lot about thermals in the Animorphs series because of Tobias. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Because Tobias True, the hog, yeah, he's, he gets stuck in the hawk body. Yeah. Uh, altitude equals speed, so you got to find a thermal to ride up top, sure. and then you can just yep. I mean, we're all we've all played Pilot Wings sixty four. Okay, I feel like as a generation we understand the concept of thermals. I thought you were about to defend Tobias for a second, making that dumb dumb decision of like everybody warned him so many fucking times, don't spend more than two hours in your hawk body. Tobias, he got he got trapped down at the Yerk Pool. You yeah, he just, got like, captured. What's he gonna do? No, like at book one, episode one, he loves flying so much he stays a bird. No, no. Book one, episode one, they do a run down to the Yerk Pool. They all get out except Tobias. He eventually gets out, but like not before he had to like hide for however many hours in his body so they don't find him. Now he's trapped. Now Wait, have I have I Yeah, been- no, I thought it was I thought it was like, yeah, he got stuck because it was that or get killed. Pretty much. Now later okay. he was given the opportunity to like go back to his real body, but give up the opportunity or give up the power to morph, but then you have to give up helping his friends out, so he didn't do it. Yeah, that's the Elemist for you. <laughs> the Elemist, that's right. We're gonna yeah. cut all of this. Are you kidding me? I feel like Animal for- Animorphs fans is like very, and our fans should be a circle. It's not a Venn diagram. <laughs> it's just, yeah. It's a circle that constitutes the three of us. It's more of a triangle. Correct. All right. Anyway, back in the story. Delta Tango 23114, switching engine off, you announce over the radio. Read you loud and clear. We're switching off as well, Peter replies. There's a rush of wind and a sense of freedom as the engine dies and the propeller spins in freewheel mode and then stops. The silence is calming. Two hours later, you cross into Mexican airspace, careful to radio your entry to Mexican authorities. They acknowledge and give permission. Turn to page 14. Still, no decisions in sight. Did we get the right kind of book? Jesus. Great, huh? You say to Isabel, looking at the spiny hills running down the Baja Peninsula. The Pacific Ocean glimmers to starboard, the Gulf of California to port. I love it, she replies. Suddenly, you hear a crackle of noise on the radio. Uh, A little problem here. We've got an electrical failure. It's Josh's voice. Although it sounds calm, you can hear the anxiety in it. I read you, Josh. Tell me more, you reply. Both you and Isabel crane your necks to catch a glimpse of their plane, which has dropped several miles astern of yours. You finally spot it as you make a slow banking turn to the left. I smell burning wiring, but there's no smoke yet. Some of the instruments are already out, he replies. Uh, He's having a stroke. Throw the breakers, you suggest. We have. No good. We're landing. Better safe than sorry. We'll join you, you offer. Isabel signals her ascent. Okay, but you don't have... Their radio transmission cuts out. Anxiously, you watch as they spiral down in large if circles. this is a consular ship, then where is the ambassador? It's the noise that you made. It sounded like Darth Vader. All right, you just keep them. Sorry. Guys, I, I just found out this weekend I like tequila, so I'm learning some things. We can return to our base after they land to get help, Isabel, or we can land with them. It's a toss-up. You're the pilot in command. What do you think, she replies. Turn to page 16. You watch the aircraft ascend gracefully, finally meeting the sandy yellow terrain below. You see it skid and then come to an abrupt halt, tipping over on its port wing. You're tempted to land to pick Josh and Peter up, but landing where they are would be a difficult maneuver. The landing area is narrow, and on either side of the ground is rough and rocky. Worse, there's a strong crosswind blowing. Do not do it. I'm checking my notes. I circled crosswind, and then I put an X through it. Even if you landed successfully, taking off would be more difficult. One mistake on your part... And four, not two people, would be stranded with no one available to get help. It does seem a safe bet to return to home base, but it would take time to get there and get help. Meanwhile, Josh and Peter would be in danger. Bandits and smugglers are known to roam the area, not to mention scorpions and poisonous snakes. What, we landed Skyrim? Yeah, giant scorpions. Uh, The abandoned airstrip on the border is much closer. Wouldn't take long to get there, and you could radio for help then. The food cache is there, too. You could return to Josh and Peter and drop some food and supplies down to them. If you decide to return to home base for help, 
get to 18. If you decide to land immediately, go to 27. If you decide to go to the abandoned airstrip on the Cali-Mexi border, 33. Um, I feel like the book has a strong opinion here, which is that we should go to the abandoned base. Yeah. But uh, it also seems super safe, though, right? Like, where's the advent? I mean, I guess the abandoned base could be full of like also scorpions and smugglers. Yeah, bandits and smugglers. So the thing is, like, if we're looking for adventure, then landing immediately has us make a death-defying landing, and then if we survive, encounter bandits and scorpions. Everything else is just like you can get some food here. I think we should aim for bandits and scorpions. Mm. All right, yeah, let's land immediately. Hell yeah. 27, we're going into that crosswind, baby. I sense real danger here, you say to Isabel. Oh, what play down? It looks like we're going to be next. It's best to stay together. I agree. Let's do it. The land below does not look at all inviting. Josh and Peter made it, but they didn't have much room to spare. Hey, look, they're waving us off, Isabel says, looking down. They better not fucking wave us off. They're waving us off. Sure enough, Josh and Peter are frantically waving to make sure you don't land at the same spot. I really wish they had a radio, you say, desperate. Well, they don't, and we've got to get down. How about over there, beyond that rise in the land? Well, check it out, you reply, scanning the terrain below to the right of where Peter and Josh are standing. After about two miles, the land seems to flatten somewhat. There are two ridges of hills between them, but they don't seem likely to create a major problem. The Pacific Ocean glints far off to the right. We can hike this land, don't you think, Belle? Well, things on the ground are never the same as they look from the air, she replies. We don't really have a choice. Let's take another look. At that moment, your engine sputters and dies. It's about we're in trouble. Guys, these brand new gliders are horseshit. Not yet. This thing's a glider, remember? Yeah, but we just have one chance. We can't go down again. We can There's enough thermal activity to give us time. Just put it down nice and easy. You put the Arcus in a sweeping bank and survey the train below. From your position, it looks rough but possible. Scrub brush, nasty looking rocks, small hill here and there, bunch of dried up trees near where you want to land. There isn't much of a choice. Yeah, so that's like, uh, that's gotta be somebody's tagline, right? Like, uh, looks rough but possible. Why is there a scrub brush? That's like something you clean a bathroom with? Well, things from the air are never the same as they are when you get to the ground or whatever. Well, it's it's because it's right next to those nasty looking rocks. Someone's got to clean those things. It's real passive aggressive. It's like, I'm not going to clean those rocks, but I'm going to leave the scrub brush next to those rocks. They need cleaning. You know, I'm just saying, you know, like maybe you guys have some ideas about maybe you take care of your fucking desert. Yeah. You know what? I got to go. I got to go to work to make money to keep this house, uh, the electricity running. So maybe somebody could do us a favor and scrub those rocks. Oh, you guys brought a, uh, a plane full of uh, Contis and Squeegees, or Sleegees, but uh, no Windex, huh? Sleegees. Yeah, Sleegees for Slim Jims. Uh, <laughs> Gross. Look up, Isabel says. Roger, you reply, taking a quick dance. Roger's my dad's dicked name. <laughs> Peter shouts through his miraculously repaired radio. Oh, no, his radio works, but he can only tell dick stories. He then kicks it with his Chelsea boots to break his radio again. I think he opens conversations with Roger's my dad's dick's name, like out of nowhere. <laughs> Meets people in bars. Roger, you reply, taking a quick glance through the plexiglass canopy. What you see is not in the least bit comforting. Huge banks of thunderheads have filled the sky to the north. This is not our day, Bell. Where did they come from? They were mentioned on the weather report. Just got here sooner than we thought. Well, here it goes. Have to get down. Turn to page 30. That's a, that's a real fatalistic attitude of someone in charge of two people's lives. Concentrating with all your might, you survey your landing area and set up the approach as best you can. Flaps, t- <laughs> flaps down, Bell. We're going in. That's how he says, <laughs> "Buckle your seatbelt." You're doing great, pal. Just great. No problem. She replies. The ground is coming up fast. 
bushes, scrub, scrub the bushes, and rocks start to appear large and menacing. A crosswind tears at the Arcus, no. trying its best to throw you off course and send you crashing onto the rough desert land. You are below the level of surrounding hills. Your airspeed is right around 60 knots. What does There's that a bubble mean? Of, it's a, knots or clicks. There's a bubble of rough air and the Arcus <laughs> what jumps What does that mean? It's clicks or kilometers. What does that mean? Okay. Kilometers are British miles. There's a bubble of rough air and the Arcus jumps a bit. You pull back ever so slightly on the stick. The nose rises a hair and the Arcus flares and finally settles to earth. The wheel on the port side digs into the sandy terrain, then breaks loose and the Arcus bumps heavily down the sand. You try not mm. to fight the controls, but instinct makes you apply too much brake and the Arcus pivots and slews violently to the side. We're down, you yell. The Arcus has come to a smacking halt. We're minus one wheel now and we definitely need a wheel to take off with, huh? Yep, we're in a wheel pickle. What did you think of that, Belle? Not bad, huh? There is no reply. Isabel? Hey, Isabel, don't play games. Still no reply. Turning around, you see Isabel slumped forward, her head on the <laughs> instrument panel. Oh my god, she got beheaded? Yeah, you um, fucked up. Her head's on the instrument panel and her body's still strapped in the back of the plane. You fucked up. A machete sticking out of her back. A note <laughs> tapes to her forehead. Um, Isabel, you shout, fighting to break free of your safety harness. The straps unbuckle, but you have some trouble with the canopy. It seems jammed. Finally, the latch snaps open and the canopy slides back. A wave of warm desert air rushes in. Pushing up from your seat, you leave the cockpit and slide to the ground, moving along the fuselage to Isabel. She's unconscious, breathing in short, shallow gasps. Her face is pale, her forehead cool and moist. You see no sign of injury, no welts or gashes that might indicate she was hurt during the landing. She's just being difficult. You can make Isabel as comfortable as possible at the cockpit. Uh, as she slowly... I don't... Yeah. yeah. As life slowly leaves her body. Um, other than that, you don't know what to do for her mysterious unconsciousness. You mysterious really need to get unconsciousness? It's probably something to do with that plane crash, bud. Yeah, you had a plane crash, my dude. You really need to get help, but you're nervous about leaving her alone. If you decide to leave Isabel and go to Josh and Peter for help, turn to 50. If you decide to stay with her, 46. What do you think, boys? Hey, kids, turn to page 50. Old Pete will take care of Isabel, and you and Josh can uh, go out into the desert and, you know, get some food or whatever. No, real talk, though, he's a grown-up, and, like, her, it's probably her neck's broken, right? Like, we shouldn't move her or do anything. <laughs> Let's just leave her a note that says, hey, Isabel, uh, I'll be right back. Don't, don't move your neck. It might be broken. Right. And we, we probably don't have, like, a pen or paper on us, so we might have to, like, write it in our own blood. So let's just write her, uh don't leave in blood on the windshield so when yeah. she wakes up she'll know she's safe ah shucks all we could get through get the, through was the word isabel and then we ran out of hand blood huh. ah well so I, can, I guess i can still sign it with a real good handprint also i found i found a couple uh, local critters and killed them to use their blood i left their <laughs> bodies outside the plane that'll it's a comfort little, it's a little ghoulish yeah but she'll know is that a local critter or is that a bandit and a smuggler respectively <laughs> yeah Surprise, we crashed in Los Angeles. This whole thing's a fever dream. Um, yeah, so I say we trek through the woods just because that involves not sitting here in the plane. Yeah, that sounds boring. Like, let's leave this yeah, girl's let's... unconscious body to the desert. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go hang out with the boys while our uh, female friend is just unconscious right? in the Mexican desert. Yeah. Honestly, like, my first concern would be I want to keep eyes on Peter while Isabella is unconscious. <laughs> so That's the responsible point. thing to do is to go find that guy. Yeah. All right, turn to page 50. Isabel, you say, if you can hear me, I've got to get you help. You hesitate for a moment, but there's no indication she's heard. You ease her into a sleeping bag under the wing Don't, of the plane. Why are you moving her? Ugh. You zip it up and put some rocks in there. Yeah. Uh, you find a ravine. You let her live in the ravine now. You planted an Isabel tree. 
No one will find you in this ravine. You'll be no. safe forever. You'll just be our little secret. Uh, and leave, heavy-hearted, in Josh and Peter's direction. The hills and ridges that you saw from the air look a lot bigger now that you have to cross them on foot. They're steep, rocky, and filled with scrub brush. What did I do with that compass? You ask yourself, fumbling around in the pockets of your flight suit. It's nowhere to be found. Instead of turning back for it, you plunge on ahead. Why isn't that a decision? We need a compass. Why couldn't that have been a decision, Robert Anthony? Sweat ripples down your forehead, and you wish that you had changed out of your flight suit into your flight shorts. It takes more than two hours. I added a word. There's a sleek, uh, sexy look for pilots this summer. Flight shorts. Mm-hmm. You can wear a, a bomber jacket or just a bomber vest. Uh, there's also Ooh, yeah. bom- bomber bow ties that can accompany those things. Yeah, I think the bomber vests are actually maybe a different uh, clothing item altogether. All of it's very sexy. Yeah, it's uh, extremely sexy. It takes more than two hours, longer than you'd expect it, to get to the top of the first ridge. From the highest point, you survey a, survey a bleak picture of even more ridges. It's just ridges and ridges in this fucking wasteland, you think to yourself. Ridges and scrub brush. It's a long way down and a longer way up the next ridge. Uncertainty floods through you and you fear for Isabel. A shadow crosses overhead. Looking up, you see a large bird gliding in circles. It looks as if it is checking the terrain for food. Look, good. see where it lands. You can eat that food. Vulture, you scream. To no one. To the, to the sky. Yeah, I got an injured girl, Vulture. Look at me, Vulture. Uh, it's a Vulture. A horrible picture of Isabel picked apart by a hooked beak and sharp talons of this creature frightens you beyond belief. Did we not put her in... All right. We should kind of close the canopy, right? I mean, we definitely close the canopy. Well, then she'll die like a, like you can't leave a dog in, you know, the car with the windows up. Okay, well, let's crack the canopy, but leave it so that vultures can't get at her soft flesh. Hey, That's fair. Hindsight's 50-50. Nope. Yeah. Foresight's 50-50. Hindsight's 20-20. The bird continues its flight, circling in a controlled pattern over the ground. Then it swoops off in the direction of the coast. Relief replaces your fear. And with a last look in Isabel's direction, you head down the steep ridge. Because that's the only vulture... Yeah, at least the vulture isn't heading towards her. Well, I solved that puzzle. Goodbye, the vulture. Oh, maybe it's the Spider-Man villain, the vulture. Maybe that's what he saw. Oh, shit, dude. I trust Michael Keaton implicitly. This is going to be a long afternoon, you say to yourself, trying your best to build your courage. The going is tough, no doubt about it. The sneakers you wore were a good idea for flying the Arcus, but they are inadequate for the task at hand. You stumble on the tough terrain, and your shoes are torn by the jagged rock. The next ridge is... Just as hard to cross as the first one. And when you crest that one, there's another ridge ahead. Swirls of dust blow around you. There are like one decision per dozen pages in this book. This is a really, yeah, this is a chatty book. Are we supposed to feel as helpless as our protagonist? Oh, uh, I like that. Yeah. yeah. It's very postmodern CYOA. Mm-hmm. Keep going, you say, encouraging yourself. The image of Isabel lying unconscious and unprotected gnaws at you. Like Ooh. the vultures gnaw at Elizabeth. Isabel, fuck. You wish you had some of those pring prings. Pring prongs? <laughs> yeah, pring prongs. You start to doubt your decision to leave her alone. Why do we have to... It asks us to make a decision and then berates us for it for the next, like, eight pages. But what could you have done by just staying with her? You'd better just keep going now. You're losing focus and you don't pay attention to your footing. You stumble on a nasty set of rocks. You fall hard, but stand back up uninjured. Finally, you reach a ridge, and there below you is the other Arcus. Josh! Hey, Josh! Peter! It's me! You shout at the top of your lungs. Hey, you guys! It's me! Your voice echoes. There's no reply. No sign of your two friends. All is silent and empty, except for the wind. Stories of bandits in the Baja. Bandits in the Baja. Bandits in the, yep, album title. Small gangs of these men are known to prey on tourists who visit the ruggedly beautiful land. They're stories of people who simply disappear. Instinct warns you to be careful. I don't know, man. I heard bandits, but all I saw were ridges. 
Yeah. Couldn't instinct have warned us before we yelled at the top of our lungs? Yeah, it could have warned us about leaving Isabel alone. It could have warned us about vultures. It could have warned us about the dangers of a slapdash flying club led by a cavalier history teacher. <laughs> instinct has failed us. We must now rely on the cold truth of the ridges. We're just reaping the consequences now. Yeah. A rock outcropping offers good cover, and you duck behind it. In your frozen position, a cramp seizes your left leg. Ah, I got your leg. <laughs> oh, crap, it's one of those cramp monsters. Ah, ah give me this leg. Ah, it's mine. Uh, gently, you move it and massage the strained muscles. Carefully, you ah. peer around the rock outcropping. There's still no sign of life. The arcus sits on the ground like a discarded toy. Maybe, just maybe, Josh and Peter are out searching for water or surveying the terrain. Maybe there's a note or a clue as to what has happened. You're tempted to go down there and check it out immediately. On the other hand, if you wait until nightfall, you wouldn't risk being spotted by bandits. Maybe you should wait a while. It's a tough choice. Everything seems deserted around the Arcus. Maybe it's okay to go down now. If you decide to go down to the Arcus immediately, or if you decide to wait until nightfall. Oh, boy. Yeah, so let's wait till nightfall. How about that? How about we wait till nightfall, see what happens? It's going to be a long wait. The sun doesn't go down until 7.30, and your watch reads 4.31. One thing that keeps you going is the thought that Peter and Josh might arrive back at any time. You soon begin to regret your decision to wait. You think you should give up and go back to Isabel. God, I'm guessing. Is that an option? Can we do that yet? We need to, do the, like, we need to get some self-esteem. Like, immediately. We need a win. You start to think, I wish I'd just been ambushed by a desert hobo with a gun. You start to think, the chess club doesn't look like it's for nerds now. At least nerds (laughs) survive their club meetings. The thought of her alone and sick in the Arcus makes you uneasy. Your thoughts are interrupted by some movement down by the plane. Plane. You watch it carefully. It isn't Peter or Josh, you find, as a man steps warily out in the open. He is armed, and he surveys the area with a careful gaze. Moments later, he is joined by a second man who also carries a weapon. One of the men is dark haired, the other is blonde. They are both dressed in jeans and khaki short khaki shirts. Instincts <laughs> jeans and khaki shorts would be a pretty dope. <laughs> they do have the double pants. Nipples looking up to the sun where God isn't. No shirts, just two layers of pants. Yep. Uh, instinct tells you that these men are not friendly, so you try to blend in with the rocks. They don't offer much protection, but they're comforting in their solidity. And you're the- and you happen to be rock colored. Uh, the man settles down under the wing of the Arcus and makes a call on a cell phone, speaking in a low voice. The other man slips around to the rear of the Arcus and disappears into the maze of, sh- maze of shrub trees. Is this book from 96? They have cell phones? It's from 92. I think it might have been sort of uh, jazzed up for the techno age so that kids oh, can really relate. They took every um, string of consistent story and uh, made it eight times longer. That's what we're listening right. to. You consider several plans. You could circle around behind the plane and follow the man to see if he leads you to Peter and Josh. <laughs> what? If so, you had better move quickly. Or you could stay put, wait and watch, and hope that Josh or Peter will turn up. Mm. Huh. I mean, I made, I made fun of it, but the stupid plan is a funny plan. Yeah. It's extremely funny, and also, as a reminder, we have landed in Skyrim, and the best way to play those games is to be a person who sneaks around and then shoots things. Yeah. You deal a lot more damage when you're hidden. Yeah. Counterpoint, we cannot shoot things. We don't have a revolver. Uh, That's a good point. We just okay. got a bunch of we just got a bunch of Slim Jims and no compass. No man, the Slim Jims old con expired condoms. We and, uh, don't even have those things. The Sleegees and the Condies were in the other plane. Ah, uh, nuts! Whoa, yeah, fellas, fellas, exactly. put the revolvers away. I'm a lover, not a fighter. Uh, that's what Peter said when he was kidnapped. Dope. All right, what are we doing? Oh God damn it! Uh, we gotta follow him. It's not what anyone would ever do in real life. It's a bad idea. Yeah, what kind of a 14-year-old's like, ah, oh, these two shirtless men with two pairs of pants and extra guns, let me follow them. 
I yeah. just got to 59. And yeah, yeah, let's just do it. You creep around the rock outcropping and circle out in pursuit of the departing figure. Moving on all fours, you slink from rock to rock. God, Hell yeah, dude, guy. we are sneaking. We are hard sneaking. You start humming the Mission Impossible music to yourself and gradually get louder and louder. Uh, you don't get far. Within 100 yards, you run into the, <laughs> you run into the two other men. Uh, they are armed and angry. Well, well, another rabbit for a pop. Okay, kid, where did you come from? Talk quick or else, one of them says. Hey, I'm just out here on vacation. No problem, I'll be on my way, see you around, you say, feeling foolish. It's not so easy, my friend. You could bring a good price. Are your parents rich? No, no, not at all. We're poor, very poor, you try to convince them. Well, if that's true, that's too bad for you. Come with us. As they motion with their pointed revolvers for you to walk ahead, you wonder if you'll ever see California again. The end. Uh, this is a tough one. I feel like this is one of the tougher books that we have read. Are we going back and going to page 79? Does that yeah. sound right? That's okay. fair. Uh, you decide to wait and keep an eye on the Arcus. The man who left does not return, and the blonde-haired man has apparently decided to take a late, late afternoon siesta. He spreads out a, gla- a ground cloth and stretches it out between beneath one of the wings. When it appears that he's sound asleep, you decide to creep up and figure a way to put him out of action. Put your you foot ha- on his throat until he stops breathing. You summon the vulture. Um, you head down the hillside, <laughs> keeping as low to the ground as possible, taking cover behind bushes and rocks. It's not an easy task, and with the fatigue of the long day setting in, it's rough going. Yeah, but it keeps you awake knowing that this guy's going to murder you if you fuck up. Finally, you're just 10 yards from the aircraft. You move only every 30 seconds or so, and the sleeper sleeps on. You figure the best way to proceed is to pretend that you have a weapon and wake your captive with a loud, firm command, staying behind the fuselage of the Arcus so he won't see that you are unarmed. Yeah, it's a it's a simple plan and simple minded plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a simpleton would think of it. Simple Jack plan. But you'll have the element of surprise and avoid the risk of using force. First, you'll need to disarm him. Screwing up your courage, you boldly walk towards him. Just then, the blonde-haired man leaps up from the ground cloth. Don't try it. Kick, kick it over here under the plane. You're a dead man. Hey, okay, it's cool. Here comes the gun. He kicks ba-da-da-da. the rifle towards me. Here comes the gun. Now your knife. Drop it on the sand, you order. He obliges, and with your heart in your throat, you walk around the side of the Arcus with a rope in your hands, and you quickly cinch his hands with the rope. Now we're going to have a little talk, you say. I didn't do nothing. I was just guarding this plane against robbers and banditos, you know, he says, but you don't believe him for a minute. So you don't trust him for a second, you don't believe him for a minute, you don't sleep with him for an hour, you don't... <laughs> Get married and raise children with him for 18 years. <laughs> 18 years? <laughs> Yeah. 18 years. One it's of your kids has got you for 18, 18 years. 18 years. Fine. And then on the 18th birthday, he finds out it wasn't his? Well, you skipped a little bit, but that's fine. I don't remember <laughs> how that one goes. <laughs> we'll just find out about that. Uh, where's the other guy? He squirms from the sandy soil, trying to reposition himself. What other guy? I never saw nobody. It's just me out here. What are you doing out here all alone, then? I'm on vacation. Yeah, that's it. A little camping out, a little surfing, a little hunting. Just me and my 4x4. Check it out. My four-wheel drive is just over the ridge. I believe you as much as I believe that Easter, buddy. Which is only when I'm sleepy or my mom says it's true. I only believe you for a day, and that day is Easter. My mom says that Easter Bunny is a perversion of the holy day of Easter. So anytime she takes all my candy and makes me watch as she burns it. Talk or else, you say, not knowing what the or else could possibly be. Shooting hey, listen, I told gun. you. Ha, I'm on vacation, nothing more. Where are they? You demand violently. Who? I've had enough of you, you shout with frustration. Easy, old buddy. 
comes a voice from behind you. Your heart almost stops, but then you recognize the voice. It's Josh. I did Peter. That's fine. Yeah, Josh. Josh, Peter, is that really you? As soon as you ask the question, Josh and Peter step into view. Boy, am I glad to see you two, you say, breathing a loud sigh of relief. What happened? Nothing much. These two guys and some of their friends started to nose around the ark here, so... Damn it. So Josh and I hightailed it for the bushes. They gave up trying to find us and left this goon here to guard the ark. We snuck back and found you captured him. Watch it, the blind the blonde man says. We don't want to hear anything from you, bud, says Peter. Forget him, you guys. Isabel's hurt, you tell them. Hurt? How bad? Should we get her right away? Josh asks frantically. Calm <laughs> down. Let's talk over here, Peter suggests, patting his lap. And the three of you move out of earshot of your hostage. You explained what happened and where your plane and Isabel are. Then an idea hits you. Why not borrow the four-wheel drive? It sure would be easier than setting out on foot. But then again, you might draw too much unwanted attention to yourself. Although and spend the whole time worrying about the guy you left out in the open, just like you worried about Isabel. And we don't have a helmet, let alone three. Oh, I just assumed we were going to murder that guy. Oh, and then use his skull as a helmet? Yeah, I guess yeah. That, that, that tracks. Like a Q-bone. So, like, having his corpse out here in the open is like uh, a lightning rod for vultures. So, oh, yeah. good point. And then you can lasso them like in James and the Giant Peach and fly vultures back to the plane. Why is that not an option? Why? These options are bullshit. Uh, although the 4x4 would give you more mobility, you won't be able to maneuver it as easily on the rough terrain. Maybe you should just set off on foot. Uh, <laughs> it took just, you all day to get here. J give up the opportunity to drive a fucking truck. Yeah, so are we even going to talk about this one? Or are we gonna no, we're going to steal that truck and we're going we're gonna to run over that guy's legs. Page 88. We should stab him in the gut before we go, though. Let him bleed out for a while. Let the vultures get him while he's alive. Yeah, you should think about what he's done. Yeah. Frontier justice. We've got to get to Isabel as soon as possible. I don't know. That's theft, Peter says. We're in a foreign country, and our Spanish isn't going to convince any policemanos. I shouldn't even be in this country. Peter, that's not even an option. We're just taking the goddamn truck. I'm, I, I'm just telling you guys. Uh, I'm very cool. I don't know. That's theft. <laughs> not cool with theft. I'm a lover, not a fighter. Yeah, child, child endangerment is I'm cool with. Uh, sort of weird sexual overtones I'm cool with. Not theft. Never theft. I'm a lover, not a thinker. <laughs> well, we could take him along, Josh says. Are you nuts or something? First you want to steal his car, then you want to kidnap him? No way. Peter, this is an emergency, you answer. Sorry, guys. I'm out, Peter says. How about Isabel, you ask? We'll do our best, Peter replies. Come on, guys. Why don't we just ask him? How about that? Josh says. If we can borrow his truck? Okay, I'll go for that, Peter says, moving off in the direction of the man sitting on the ground. You accompany him and begin the questioning. Look, maybe we got you all wrong. Maybe you are on vacation. If so, we need your help. We have to borrow your 4x4, you say in Peter's voice, as <laughs> nicely as you can. The man nods. That's the nicest voice you can do. You, it's it's the smoothest voice. Yeah, it, it worked it on you. It goes down like butter. It yeah. really disarms every miner he's ever tried it on. Um, the, oh, man the, guy that, the guy with the truck is only 14. We didn't mention that. <laughs> oh, but he's, he's also he's got, a young teen. He's got a real thick beard, but also that explains his fashion sense. <laughs> the man nods. You look around, worried that his friend will return any time. How about it? The 4x4? Four four, you ask. Okay, he replies. I'll go with you. If you agree to help me out. How? Peter asks. Get me out of here. There's more than just the one guy you saw me with. Don't ask any questions. I'll provide the 4x4, four four. you provide the extra people power, and let's make tracks. 4x4 four four tracks with my 4x4. Four four. Those guys are scary. <laughs> it's a deal, it's you like, say. It's like Batman and Crocodile Dundee. Yeah. <laughs> I really like it. Yeah. It's, it's tough to differentiate them. 
It's a deal. It's a deal, you say, looking at Peter and Josh for approval. They both nod. Then there's a whole scene between Josh and the bandit. Uh, and they are in love. The 4x4 is brand new. This is... Wow. Oh, yeah. I was thinking like ATV. Like, this is a cheap... I also thought it was like an ATV. Yeah. This is yeah. legit. It's the not four brand four... new, though. Somebody drove it into the desert. So it's it got desert miles on it. says it's brand new. Brand new is canon. Yeah. It's right there on page 91. I guess the factory must be in the desert. Exactly, yeah, you look to the left. There's a lot just empty, but filled with cars. <laughs> but you take this one. Josh jumps into the front seat. There's a key ring on the floor next to the accelerator. Josh starts the engine. Let's go, he says, slipping the car into gear and sliding out onto the sandy track. Which way to Isabel? Due north. Turn around that ridge. There's another two ridges beyond that, but we can avoid them. Step on it. The 4x4 chews into the sandy soil and swerves a bit as Josh accelerates. The blonde man sits in the middle of the back seat, his hands still tied. You still don't trust him completely. Oh no, look out! Josh yells. Three heavily armed men step out from behind a rock. Duck, Peter yells. Josh accelerates and the 4x4 jumps. No, no, no. Three men, Peter. It's three men. Why would a duck be in the desert, Peter? They're waterbound creatures. Duck is my dad's dick's name. Dick is my duck's name. <laughs> uh, Josh accelerates and the 4x4 jumps ahead and bounces over rocks and bushes. The sound of automatic fire punctures, punctuates the air. The windshield splinters, but Josh keeps on going. Those guys are trying to kill us, you say, panicking. Suddenly the shooting stops. Some friends you got, Josh says to the blind man. Like I say, I want out. Those guys shoot to kill. Just keep me back home at one pace. We never asked his name, but his name is definitely Paul Hogan. Mick, I think they call him Mick in the movie. Ah, that sounds right. Uh, how'd you get involved? I was dumb. Greedy too, I guess. Josh keeps going, and you turn the first ridge. Race down a relatively clear stretch, see two more ridges, and turn those as well. In another 20 minutes, you reach a familiar landmark. We're almost there. Step on it, Josh, you say. What is the familiar landmark? Ridges or vultures? Uh, it's Isabel's dead body. Oh, the skeleton we left. Then... There they are, the silver wings of the Arcus, and standing beside the fuselage is Isabel. She waves at you. A rush of emotion overwhelms you. She's all right. At least she is for now. There's still Peter to contend with. Uh, two hours later, the 4x4 approaches a small town. You contact the Mexican police and direct them to the two gliders, warning them about the group of bandits. You're relieved, and you plan to lie low for a while. In a single day, you've had enough adventure for a lifetime. The end. Hey, we did it. Well, we got a W, finally. Yeah. 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 The- Got some asterisks with it. What was our, our, I guess our stated goal was to make it somewhere and go fishing. So that, this is a more interesting ending than that. Let's be clear. Our stated goal was to disappear into the Mexican desert for three days with Paul, two boys, and a young lady. Instead, we came back immediately and no one had any hint of their virtue assaulted. I consider that a huge win. (laughs) I like that Chris goes lateral on the names of apostles because what? it's definitely, it's Peter and uh, Chris's pull was Paul. Uh, it could have <laughs> been James. It could have been Matthew. It could have been Thomas. We don't know. Should have been I, Judas. I thought Paul, for some reason when you said Paul, I assumed that was the name of the Australian guy. I was like, oh, I forgot that we got his name. I, I'm sure it was Paul. Uh, true fact though, I was like, uh, is Paul Hogan actually Australian? So I looked it up. He is. And okay. that's why I had the name Paul on my brain. Yeah, no, we definitely, uh, we adventured the shit out of it. Um, if you were actually this narrator, what is your next step as soon as you get back home? Uh, join chess club. Yeah, definitely join like academic bowl, yeah. uh, home at club. Yeah. Oh, but if you, if you do that, then that means that it's Peter, Josh and Isabel in flying club. And that's just no good. Uh, no, Isabel's out. Isabel's out. Her doctor won't let her fly anymore. Her, neither will her parents. 
I'm sorry. So let me let, just just so I understand, you took my daughter to Mexico, knocked her out for eight hours, and then brought her back. <laughs> yeah, but she she avoided most of the automatic gunfire. I've been relieved from the duties of being a teacher. Yeah, guys, I have way good news. Good news, bad news. I'm not going to be your history teacher anymore. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. I have so much more time to go on flying adventures with you. Good news, guys. Uh, they're going to let me go to Mexican jail so I can hang out with our three amigos from the Mexico quest. <laughs> Josh, Josh, J-Boy, come on. Give me a ride to the border. They won't let me drive anymore. Uh, no, listen, I can't. Every time I close my eyes, I see that plane crash. Uh, why would you let me fly a brand new plane I've never seen before? Dog. It's not Come a plane. On. It's a Moglo. Moglo. They're it's totally safe. Motor glider. Yeah. Motor glider club. Fuck. Fuck this school. All right. That's all we have this week for Booze Your Own Adventure. I'm Ian. I'm Chris. And I am Mark. And until next time, always choose responsibly. I guess he had just found a saxophone because he was trying to get through <laughs> the beginning of Baker Street. You know, that like, but he could yeah. not like nail the first five notes. So it was just like, for just 30 a, minutes. He's just like exhausting the, the search space of valve combinations, trying to find right, the next yeah. note of Baker Street. Got to get it right eventually. Yeah, yeah he's just, you're, you're watching him workshop.